we got a new super cool party people only party giveaway people <laughs> for it's you. It's only for party people. <laughs> if you are not a party person, you just don't listen. Get out. <laughs> yeah. A fun March giveaway for y'all because we just like to give stuff away. It's yeah. just like a fun little way to spice things up. It is. And March is just like a cool month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd the March and uh, St. I don't know. Patrick's I don't know why my brain went there. Like, I don't either. That was unique. <laughs> yeah. St. Patrick's Day is probably a more <laughs> festive. Yeah. Um, so for our March giveaway, we've got some cool stuff. We have a Art History Babes t-shirt in black. We classic. classic classic black classic black uh we have a really cool book about some it it's uh drawings by some venetian masters Tiepolo. yeah jenny on the italian over there mm-hmm. and then we've also got a rauschenberg inspired mug some white sage for mm. for s- witchy vibes also just general good smells yeah white sage cone incense not actual white sage yes yeah <laughs> incense incense vibes and we got a norman rockwell puzzle so really a, a wide array of <laughs> of arts related goods feast yeah definitely for you definitely it's a fun giveaway i think and to be entered to win, all you have to do is head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash arthistorybabes, and become a patron and help support the production of this podcast and other Art History Babes content. Every dollar that you pledge to the Art History Babes is an entry. So $1 a month, that's one entry. $5 mm-hmm. a month, that's five entries. And if you're wondering yourself, hey, I'm already a patron I'm screwed. I can't be a part of this super cool party people You're giveaway. Not You're not. All you got to do is up your pledge. If you up your pledge by a couple dollars, then you get a couple entries. So everyone has a chance to enter yes. however many times you would like. This is for the duration of March. So from March 1st to March 31st. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that feels right. Yeah, there's 30, 31 days of March. Um, sure. If you get on our Patreon from the 1st through the 31st, your entries will be counted and Mm -hmm. then at the beginning of april we will pull a name out of a hat it's gonna be a good time it is Art History Babe Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. And we are the Art History Babes. And we got a fun little Art History Babe Brief for you today. Woo! This one is fun because it's connected to a full-length episode that will be coming out next week with our friends from Sartle, See Art Differently. We did a full-length episode on women of abstract expressionism with them. It is jam-packed. It is. We ran out of time. We did. (laughs) We ran out of time. We could not talk about everyone um, that we wanted to talk about. So as kind of a little precursor, we're going to do an episode today on Elaine de Kooning. Can't leave her out. You can't. You really... Yeah, you just can't. You really can't in terms of this topic. 
And coincidentally, this never happens, but we are recording on the anniversary, the 29th anniversary of her passing. Yeah, it's Purely crazy. coincidental. It really is. <laughs> I was doing my research at like 2.30 in the morning and yeah, she died February 1st. 1989 and I was like hey that's tomorrow so kind of crazy so this is a little homage to Elaine rest in peace Elaine Mm -hmm. to start us off I have a quote inspiration is indispensable to my work but it's hard to come by it is there or it is not it is a gift of the gods oh Elaine that's actually a really interesting concept like the idea that that like inspiration and like creative genius kind mm-hmm. of moves through you. I feel like there's two camps and they're kind mm-hmm. of opposing camps in that way that some people believe it is almost a divine intervention or others believe that it's humanism and all yeah. in the power of man. And it's all I coming think there, from... In terms of that topic, I think there could be some really interesting ideas regarding gender because so gender is a obviously a big topic in this women of abstract expressionism thing especially because there was such a an interesting gender relationship going on in the abstract expressionism movement one it was a hyper masculine movement it was defined as a hyper masculine movement two there were a lot of couples a a lot of male female couples involved in abstract expressionism so there's this really interesting push and pull of gender dynamics which we talk about in the full-length episode but I feel like with that concept it's also very interesting because I think there's more of an impetus to say like male artists as being genius and female artists are a little more open to the idea of having genius letting genius come in at least in this time period because of gender identification you know what i mean yeah i could buy into that for sure yeah i, I think, mean i'm just kind of there. kind of spitballing right now no but, but i could get on board with that right notion. right right so elaine elaine marie catherine fried fried uh, was born on march 12th 1918 she's a pisces babe so a water sign I love my creative water signs. They're just a a powerhouse of creativity and emotion. I would love to know her moon sign, though, because she comes off as so kind of brazen and a little callous. Which Pisces aren't not. Actually, (laughs) never mind. This is not that kind of podcast. Carry on. Um, Anyway, she was born in Brooklyn, New York, and developed a love for the arts as a young child long before she took on the name de Kooning. The oldest of four children, her sister recalls that their mother was not especially attentive as a parent, but instilled a strong love of the arts. She would often take Elaine to the Metropolitan Museum of Art to expose her to famous works. Her mother was sent to a psychiatric ward for a year, and Elaine became the surrogate parent for her younger siblings. She excelled in high school, but dropped out after only a few weeks at Hunter College. She then enrolled at Leonardo da Vinci Art School for a while, but ended up leaving for the American Artists School. During this time, she joined the Young Communist League and became active in the Communist Party, which is another interesting thing Mm -hmm. about abstract expressionism. You can go to our full-length abstract expressionism episode about this, is that it was kind of seen as the all-american movement mm-hmm. like ab x was literally used by the cia to like make america look 
like we were very creative and artistic. It was it was a tool of capitalism, yet a lot of abstract expressionists were communists. A hole in your plan, CIA. <laughs> <laughs> kind of crazy. Oh. So William de- Willem de Kunin. Willem! Willem. <laughs> in 1938, Elaine met Willem de Kooning, but there were no sparks at their initial introduction. To Elaine, de Kooning was Bill. She called him affectionately, which I just love. <laughs> and he convinced her to begin drawing classes with him. A photographer friend of the couple later recalled that Bill was incredibly in love with her, but she didn't treat him very well at the beginning. She would lean back on the couch and say, Bill, cigarette, and he would leap to get it. (laughs) Such an awesome visual. I know, right? I mean, also kind of sad, but. (laughs) (laughs) On December 9th, 1943, Elaine and William married, and this probably won't surprise you, at a small understated ceremony at City Hall. It's all kind of. Keeping it chill. Yeah, stoic, all of this. Five years later, shortly after Willem's first solo exhibition at the Charles Egan Gallery, Elaine began an affair with Charles Egan. Willem also carried on a series of extramarital affairs, most famously with Ruth Klingham in the 1950s, who would later become Jackson Pollock's mistress. Man, just like an ab ex mistress. Right? <laughs> like, isn't that such an interesting concept? Yeah, right? Like, I mean, I guess they all run in the same circle, you yeah. know? Yeah. De Kooning reportedly carrying on, carried on brief affairs with other artists over the years, uh, being Elaine, not William, although I'm sure he did too. Probably. Who knows? I think they both just did. I <laughs> Artists, think, man. Yeah. I think it was like a kind of open, but also like passive aggressive situation. Yeah, definitely. Early on, de Kooning was influenced by the Cubists, but by the mid-1940s, she began leaning towards abstraction. De Kooning is most often connected to abstract expressionism. This is for many reasons, including her, her, her name, which is her husband's name, uh, her writings on the topic, and her fierce love of the style. But the breadth of her style was, was pretty vast, and it incorporated abstract expressionism, but it also reached into other areas. Her work is a clear example of figural abstract, abstract expressionism, she her most known works are portraits essentially mm-hmm. she has interestingly been characterized as reversing the trope of male painting the female model i love that right yeah. um so it's this painting a, mo- a male model through the female gaze essentially mm-hmm. which is very interesting very empowering right she just decided like i'm going to paint men mm-hmm. like that seems so simple it's so simple (laughs) that you wouldn't think of it (laughs) i know right like you wouldn't even think that's a thing but she did it and she like did it full force from the late 1940s through the 80s she painted basketball players in a loose expressionist style later in her life she was sought out and respected for her portraits mostly of men in 1962 she was commissioned to paint a portrait of john f kennedy Throughout 1963, she spent her time fine-tuning this portrait. She collected hundreds of photographs of Kennedy and drew shorthand sketches of him whenever he appeared on TV. Needless to say, she took this commission very seriously. After seeing him in person, she didn't have him sit for her necessarily, but she was able to see him in person. And she described Kennedy as incandescent and golden. And her portraits of him were an attempt to capture his charisma. 
so interesting that she seems so enamored by him. Right. Because she embodies this kind of cool girl persona. That, right. Like, not super affected by much, but and he would have been very affected by John F. Kennedy. I know. And so many people yeah. were affected by John F. Kennedy. So I'm almost like surprised that something that was so mainstream, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like appealed to Elaine, but she was incredibly affected by him. She was so invested in him as a figure and a subject that she stopped painting for several months after his assassination. I wonder what that would feel like because she invested so much time. Right. You know, understanding him and trying to represent him so authentically, she probably felt like she really knew him. Oh, yeah. I think that can be kind of a relatable feeling. You know, it's it's why a lot of people have really intense reactions, I think, when celebrities die, especially if it's a celebrity that you were super invested in in mm-hmm. some way. If you like gave a part of your life to understanding a musician or something like it can kind of feel like you lost a friend Mm -hmm. even though you never like met that person or if you, you know, you didn't spend a lot of time with that person. And so I feel like with this, she probably felt like she lost someone that, that she was close to in some way, you know? And then it's compounded with the political side where it's like, if she really believed in what he was doing and where he would have taken the country, then double hit. I wonder how Shepard Ferry would feel if Obama died. (laughs) I don't know because he kind of started to turn on Obama know, for right? a little bit, but then he came back recently. So it's I, don't know. I feel like it'd be a very different thing, but that was just where my yeah. mind went. <laughs> well, that's our most recent example. I know, so right? Where else would it go? So some other notable works by Elaine in 1946, she painted a self-portrait, which is interesting because it's so figural. It, it's so good. It's I great. really love I this know, painting. I do too. It's I love the color. I'm such a fan mustard. of mustard. Oh, mustard. Yeah. So it's got this mustard wall and she's sitting in what almost looks like it could be an art studio, but she has a pad and charcoal rather than like an easel and painting. And she's doing the classic staring down the viewer like she is looking into your soul yeah. with a raised brow and yeah it's it's kind of got a little bit of loose brush work so it's not a tight portrait but it captures her I think oh definitely I kind of want a copy of this to like put on my wall it to would, just yeah. like get get my shit in gear every day oh my god yeah. it'd be great in like an office space oh, oh my so god motivating. i would just be like elaine i'm doing it for I you know. girl elaine's looking at you like why aren't you working uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> for real what what do you have to do better than work i right know and she's got like the coffee and she's just like you need to you need to get your shit together <laughs> she's got her turtleneck which i love turtle sisters for life <laughs> Um, and just an interesting tidbit is that she painted this at her and Willem's poorest. <laughs> so she sold it to her sister for $20, which at the time she considered good money. So a little bit out of necessity, this was yeah. painted, but the results are awesome. And I'm glad that, not glad that she was that poor, but I'm glad that this work came of it. Yeah, right, right. And then Bacchus number three, which comes from the Bacchus series, uh, painted in 1978. During a visit to Paris in 76, she saw a 19th century Bacchus-inspired sculpture in in the Garden of Luxembourg and did these series of paintings based on the Roman god of wine. Go see our full-length Bacchanal <laughs> episode if you haven't already. Oh, that's Learn a throwback. all about Bacchus. That's a good one. Check that out. This one's so interesting, though, because it's not 
necessarily a super well-known work. It's a painting based on a sculpture. And if you didn't have any previous knowledge of the sculpture, it would look a little disorienting, albeit beautiful. It's Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I loved it. The colors are amazing. The movement's amazing. Mm -hmm. And it just really all comes together in your mind when you can see the actual sculpture. She nails the color scheme. She nails the brush strokes and the movement. Because as you know, sculptures like that, it's, it's a, um, it looks like a fountain sculpture. They wear and they kind of get this earthen look where they have streaks and chunks come out and they just look a little worn. And she really embodies that in this painting. Um, and I just love the line work too. Oh yeah, There's, I love the lines. Oh, Those dark so like contours are yeah. so good. It looks like it, this would be a great print. Like, oh yeah. It looks like it could be a print. And it was just interestingly the first time she ever used acrylic paint. She wasn't. Hey. Yeah, she wasn't an acrylic paint girl, but she used it for this one. And I think that kind of shows in a little bit of the, um, I don't want to call it patchy, but acrylic paint isn't as blendable as yeah, oil. And yeah. I think that shows through in this painting. Definitely. In 1983, de Kooning began a series based on the Paleolithic Caves of Lascaux, France, titled Cave Walls. Uh, She depicts outlines of animals such as deer, bison, and goats. Elaine saw Paleolithic art as an example of the roots of abstract expressionism. So there's this kind of improvisation, spontaneity, and definitely, at least in regards to Elaine de Kooning's work, use of contour. She uses contour in a lot of her paintings, and it's very clear in cave art, it's a lot of expressive contour I guess is the best way to describe it and she incorporated those things into her work so when she saw these caves it's not surprising to me anyways that it resonated with her and so she began the series based on that experience and kind of interestingly incorporating the oldest form of visual art with what was incredibly contemporary Mm -hmm. at the time it's very very interesting because you're talking about like whole scale of human creation at that point. Right? <laughs> I just love too how she uses her experiences again mm-hmm. and again and again. These things that she's painting oftentimes are something that she just experiences or comes across and is inspired by and goes and paints it. There's no like seeking out some ultimate theme to bind all of her yeah. work and stuff. There's something so simple in her thought process and in her art making that I love as an mm-hmm. overthinker. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's, it's refreshing. It's interesting. Um, it makes her a lot more relatable. Definitely. So Elaine was not only an artist, but began writing art criticism early in her painting career. She worked as an editorial associate at Art News under Thomas Hess, and there she wrote articles on Hans Hoffman, Arshal Gorky, Franz Klein, Joseph Albers, and Mark Rothko. Her writings made abstract expressionism more readily accessible to a wider audience, which is no easy feat and really commendable. Yeah. And one, we are totally behind. Yeah. That's what it's about. Like, let's... OG art history, babe. For real. So, Elaine, just an amazing woman. Once again, unfortunately tends to be overshadowed by her husband. Not that his work was, was not amazing as well, but... She was her own thing, and she created some really, really incredible images. Definitely check out our full-length episode on women of abstract expressionism, which will be coming out next week. 
So check that out for more discussion of just this idea of really the culture of abstract expressionism, what it meant for women and some different women at different time periods that worked in the style of abstract expressionism. Um, But before we sign off, I want to end with a quote by Elaine. Women can also be creative in total isolation. I know excellent women artists who do original work without any response to speak of. Maybe they are used to lack of feedback. Maybe they are tougher. Yes. Nailed it. So good. (laughs) It is so good. Love it. Love you, Elaine. Kind of reminds me of some sentiments of Joan Mitchell in the full-length episode. So you guys really round out the whole thing and listen to both. And Lee Krasner, too. Yep. All of them. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. Definitely check out our website, arthistorybabes.com. Head over to our Patreon, all that jazz. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks. From Willem! Willem. (laughs) The Art History Babes podcast is made possible by support from our lovely listeners via Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash arthistorybabes to help keep the Art History Babes going and for access to bonus content.